Hello again, Calcio fans, and welcome to episode 18 of the Italian Football Daily Podcast. We've got a jam-packed show for you guys, uh, end of the season, the end of the 2017-18 Serie A season, and my, oh my, what a season it has been. I'm your host tonight, or today, for this episode, uh, Joe Siracco, uh my Twitter handle, you might recognize me from Twitter, at Joe Antonio C, and I'm joined with my co-host, senior editor of Italian Football Daily, Matt Santangelo, and you surely know him from Twitter, at Matt underscore Santangelo. Uh, Matt, we've got such a great uh, jam-packed episode here for all our listeners. Um, first off, how are you doing? It's been a while since we did one of these. I'm doing well, Joe. It's good to be uh, chatting with you again and doing another one of these. Of course, at the end of the season, it's uh, kind of bittersweet, right? I know it's been very, uh, it's been a crazy season, obviously, with the J- the Champions League, the Scudetto race. Uh, you at Roma and Juve were doing the Champions League as well. So um, it's it's kind of you know, it's it's a shame to see it all come to an end because you know this has been one of the best seasons in uh, recent memory. But of course it doesn't stop. Uh, Catra doesn't stop. We got the Mercato and uh, we got pretty much everything going on with Milan. So uh, I, less than sure we have a couple more months of uh, action, uh, action-packed transfer news and everything like that. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll carry on and uh, again we'll get ready for another season in a couple months time. Yep, the world of international football and regular season football never ends. Calcio never sleeps. And um, case in point, uh, we've got a lot to talk about, a lot to discuss. Uh, this past weekend, wrapping up the, uh, the Serie A season as well, we're going to talk about uh, the Champions League. We're, talking about, we're going to talk about the Champions Juventus and where some of the teams go from here. And we're going to be sh- mentioning the relegation zone as well and who's coming up from Serie B. But first and foremost, we're actually going to start things a little bit off. We'll save the juicy stuff for a little later on in the show, but we will begin with uh, the, uh, the Italian national team, the Azzurri. Uh, remember them? Uh, yeah, they still exist, sadly, even though uh, in, in about three weeks' time, we will have Game 1 of the Russian World Cup on June 14th. Um, unfortunately, we will not be playing a, min- a single minute of this World Cup in 2018 for the first time. Yeah, since 1958, as we all know. Uh, but the international football goes on, and uh, Roberto Mancini, uh, after months of speculation, was finally named uh, officially the uh, new coach of the Italian national team. And recently this week, he released his uh, selection of players that will uh, be featuring in the upcoming friendlies uh, over the next couple weeks uh, against Saudi Arabia, France, and the Netherlands. Uh, we've got quite a list here. Uh, more than the traditional 23, he's included a 30-man group uh, just to test everybody out. And from this uh, group, Matt, he's pretty much selected everybody that basically we have. The entire talent pool has been pretty much selected for these friendlies. Um, it's a nice welcome to change to see what, what some of these guys can do. Uh, I won't name the entire squad just because there's uh, so many of them, but... Some of the notable uh, players that we've got on defense, Bonucci, Caldara, finally making a senior cap. Uh, Domenico Criscito, a uh, surprise inclusion on left back, but Mancini knows him from, from Zenit St. Petersburg. A uh, couple notable selections in the midfield. Marquisio, for the first time in, in, a few, in a long time, he's been called up, but he's actually been injured. Same with Emerson and Palmieri. Both of them, Marquisio and Palmieri, will not be uh, featuring in these uh, upcoming friendlies. But the main man up front, for the first time since 2014, we will be seeing Mario Balotelli uh, starting presumably 
um, as a starter for the Italian national team. It's been almost four years, uh, and after 25, 26-goal uh, season at, at Nice in France, uh, the young man, he's still only 27, believe it or not, uh, has returned to the Azzurri. Uh, I welcome him back. Um, I'm sure many of us Italian fans do as well. Whatever's happened in the past, let's let's let it let bygones be bygones and give this guy a chance. He's had a great season, and quite frankly, we don't really have anyone else at the moment up at forward, which is uh, our weakest area on on our national team. Matt, I know you've you've been a fan of Balotelli and obviously uh, followed him closely when he was at Milan. Do you like the inclusion of Balotelli? I mean, it wasn't inevitable for him to return. Can you give us some thoughts on on how you think he's going to perform now that he's been given that second chance? You're right. It was it was pretty much inevitable as the links came in for Mancini to be the uh, the full-time manager, of course, replacing Luigi DiBiagio, who uh, was in there on an interim basis for the matches against England and Argentina, which didn't go that well. Uh, it was inevitable that Balotelli was going to get his call-up under Mancini, of course, they spent two separate spells together at Inter and Manchester City, respectively. Mancini has always been one of those one of those coaches that's always had a soft spot for Balotelli. He's always backed him. He always always kind of said, you know, yes, he's a young guy, but he's 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 a he's, I, he's got a good heart. He's his head is in the right place, and his um, overall, he's very talented. And I think you know when you factor in how effective he's been in the, over the past two seasons at Nice. And then, of course, you have Mancini coming into the uh, to the bench for for the national team. It was only fitting that he got the call up, and I'm glad to see um, him him get that well deserved call up for the first time in several years. You know, unfortunately, you wish he was getting this call up ahead of a World Cup, um, and you know, getting to get another uh, kind of a redemption, if you will, from the 2014 debacle that uh, Italy experienced. But nonetheless, Balotelli's back. He's still in his prime. He's only 27 years old. It's crazy to think that for a guy who's been around such a long time, he's still in the prime of his career, and he's still. A so much to give to his country so I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what Balotelli um, can do on the pitch for for Italy over these next couple friendlies against Saudi Arabia France and Netherlands for sure and uh, again this is a larger group than usual so um, uh, Mancini has brought a lot of players uh, rightfully so trying to test out a lot of um, a lot of guys Cristante Giorginio Mandragora who's making his senior debut after featuring in last year's under 20 World Cup and has had a decent season uh, on loan from Juventus at Crotone and up front we have uh, Bernardeschi back from injury Berardi making his senior uh, appearance I think for the first time in in a few years Uh, interesting to see him after not having that spectacular of a season he's kind of quieted down from the hype from a few years ago Simone Verde in there too who um who are very very much deserving of the spot you know he's been one of the I think he's one of two players that actually has had double digit goals and assists this past season I think maybe he's one of 12 13 across the Europe's top five leagues according to who scored who actually had those same stats as well so again Simone Verdi at 25 26 he's finally getting that opportunity to uh, break into the national team picture and um very well deserving of it. I think he's a player that's again he's good with both feet. He can play across the across the attack, so he does give Mancini a different look, and he gives him a kind of a um, a Swiss Army knife option, if you will, in the sense that he can play on the left, he can play on the right, he can play as a striker, or someone as a creative player, maybe behind the strikers. So he's an asset, and he, like definitely a guy uh, that's deserving of this call as well. This will be a good test for uh, this group who are coming off the end of the season, so obviously they're going to be a bit fatigued, but. I think this is a good enough group that you can put together and kind of see where we're at. Um, because again, in September, the UEFA Nations League begins right away uh, in early September. So 
uh, Italy will have to be ready um, to kind of re, uh, be reborn again. We're unfortunately for us fans, we're going to be watching the World Cup uh, and we're going to see another team other than Italy win it. And it's going to be a bit disheartening and hopefully it'll light a fire under these guys to come out firing uh, on all cylinders in September because they will be fresh. And I think that will be an advantage for uh, their club teams, but also when they get going in the qualifying campaign for Euro 2020, which is imperative. Uh, Mancini has already said this, not just to make it, but to win that tournament uh, just because it's been uh, over 50 years uh, since Italy last won a European championship in 1968. Uh, and one notable thing from this lineup, uh, no Gianluigi Buffon, uh, and we'll get to him in just a second. Uh, it is a new era of uh, Gijo, uh, Gianluigi Donnarumma and uh, Perin, who will battle for that starting spot uh, over the next couple of years, and it'll be interesting who will, who will emerge on top uh, from those two talented young goaltenders. Uh, but speaking of Buffon, Unless you've been living under a rock, you know that uh, Juventus played uh, their last game. It was uh, Buffon's last game for Juventus. A 2-1 win over Verona, uh, sealing the Scudetto trophy for Juve. And one last time, for the ninth time, uh, 11 on the field, uh, Gianluigi Buffon uh, would be lifting the uh, Serie A Scudetto trophy. Uh, An emotional press conference, an emotional day for all Juventus fans and just fans of Italian football in general. Uh, we don't know yet where he's going to go at time of recording, but from uh, reports now, we see that uh, PSG have made a significant offer for him, uh, 8 million euros net, and it's not just a rumor anymore, it's an actual firm two-year deal. So we'll see uh, how Buffon, Buffon and his agent uh, deal with that, and we could be seeing him in Paris, who knows. Um, but it's been a terrific career at Juve for... Uh, uh, for Buffon and he will be missed by the club of course but things have to go on and uh, Juventus capped it off beautifully with them going out on top so uh, Buffon left Serie A as a champion and speaking of uh, teams who have been riding high uh, what a game we had Matt with uh, with Lazio and Inter uh, can you take us a little bit through that game because it was probably not only were the stakes so high it was basically a 40 million euro Champions League playoff but uh, one of the best games we've seen in the season. Oh, 100%. Um, that it was funny. I was actually going to, I was about to go for a run and I was going to maybe, you know, miss the first half of the, uh, of the game. But I was like, you know, if something tells me I got to just stick, I got to stick here. I got to watch this game because it's going to be crazy. I think it's going to be back and forth. It's going to have, I think, you know, the, you know some, some drama, the red card possibly, some maybe last minute uh, heroics, anything, everything like that. And sure enough, it delivered. I think if you're a neutral fan or if you're, an outsider, someone who maybe hasn't watched Calcio often this year, but was kind of intrigued. And again, remember, all the other leagues pretty much ended at this point. So uh, if, if you were looking for your uh, your fix uh, your fix of, of, of football, uh, Lazio Inter was a great way for you to get it on the weekend. Of course, uh, Lazio went ahead, deflected goal um, from Marusic off of Ivan Perisic. Uh, Inter responded, of course. Um, then, then, then Lazio go up. 2-1 thanks to Felipe Anderson and at that point it looked like Lazio had kind of had the stronghold on this match and then of course all of a sudden out of nowhere and it from at least in my opinion for what I was observing because I think Lazio again were looked to be in control of the match 
All of a sudden, Icardi goes gets taken down the box by who else but Stefan Devraj. Of course, for everyone who's uh, for everyone who's listening, Devraj is set to join Juventus. I mean, excuse me, Inter on a free transfer after his contract with Lazio expires. So it, it, there was some controversy about him whether or not he was going to play. Simone Inzaghi fielded him. Um, some thought it was a little bit of a risk because of obviously he's playing against a team that if he does win, he's going to maybe uh, prevent from getting into the Champions League. So uh, that was an interesting little uh, narrative coming into this game. But of course, he takes down Icardi. Icardi buries a penalty. Now it's 2-2. And now it's game on, essentially. Um, you know, at that point, there was you know, a, a, quite a bit of time left. I think by now, Lazio already yanked uh, Chiri Mobile. Of course, he was batting with Icardi for the Capo Canieri. They wound up splitting that honor at the end uh, with 29 goals apiece. But then all of a sudden, um, some poor marking from Lazio on a corner. Uh, Matias Ficino, Vecino gets on the end of a header, and uh, the, the, the visiting fans at the at the Stadio Olimpico erupt. Inter go on to uh, to secure fourth on the final match day, and you know for Lazio, for a team that you know that made a deep run in the Europa League, and you know they kind of blew that against Salzburg. And in, in my opinion, at least, I think they should have definitely advanced past them. They go out in in uh, in difficult fashion to Milan in the Coppa Italia. And now all of a sudden you lose fourth on the on the on the uh, final match day to Inter. It's it's got to be a difficult one for uh, Lazio fans for sure because I think overall the over the course of the season I think it, most would agree that they were deserving of a Champions League spot. But again, it, it, that's what makes this game so special. You got to play until the very last minute. And I think again when you look, you saw how the game changed in a matter of a minute. Inter all of a sudden get a goal out of nowhere with a penalty, and then they get a goal, another goal to go ahead. It's 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 crazy, and I think that's kind of just sums up what this Serie A has been: crazy, dramatic, unexpected at times, and really just something that you have, you know you can't turn away from your TV for. Because as we just saw with the Scudetto race, the race for top four, even the um, the relegation battle on the final match day, you know this was one of the craziest seasons I've ever experienced myself, and I'm sure you would agree. Yeah, or um, I think overall the the health of the league hasn't been this uh, st- healthy, strong in a long time. And uh, absolutely, you turn away from that game, which I did. I actually left uh, for a few minutes and then all of a sudden went from 2-1 to 3-2. And Lazio had a red card and I was like, what What just happened? I literally just stepped out for a second and things can change. And um for Inter Milan, whether you love him or hate him, I think, and as as good a season as Lazio has had, uh, Inter Milan should be in the Champions League. The first time they've been in six years. That's a big club, and we need that exposure and that kind of brand power uh, in Europe, especially now with the fourth uh, place of being an automatic group stage berth. Inter is a type of team that um, uh, will go out and spend money, and uh, I mean they have to justify their their players now and some of their players they can actually keep like Skriniar one of the best young defensemen in Europe will probably stay because of that Rafinha will probably stay maybe João Cancelo who's had a, a really good season on loan and of course Mauri Cardi, the captain uh, and a frequent transfer rumor might be able to stay and with uh, Lautaro Martinez from Argentina coming up Inter already have a pretty decent team but now with uh, some extra backing because of the Champions League they could really be a contender not just in Europe but Definitely in, in the domestic league. And then as you were saying, Matt, uh, a big race uh, going down to the wire uh, in the relegation zone. So we already knew Benevento and Verona were gone. We're going to be relegated to Serie B. But there were up to four or five teams who could have gone down for that third uh, third spot. 
I think that's the first time we ever had that in league history where it was so wide open. And, and in the end, unfortunately, uh, Crotone, uh, the team from my region, Calabria, had to go down. Um, it was disappointing. They made that great escape last year where they they were unbeaten in 12 games or, or whatever to, to stay up on that miracle run. And unfortunately, miracles don't happen twice. But they've been sent down, unfortunately. You know, I, I feel for those Southern Italian teams because they bring so much passion. And honestly, I don't think there's a single Serie A fan in the world who wants to see Chievo ever again, honest to God. But unfortunately, they're there. Those those pesky donkeys are still there for another year. You know, it was kind of, you almost felt that like Crotone was going to pull it off again. You know, the week prior, they actually wound up getting a draw against Lazio at home. And that was kind of a big turning point of the season for both clubs because I think Lazio, you know, when you look at a team battling for rele- relegation, you assume that you should handle them. In that match, they didn't have Alberto or they didn't have Chiro Mobile. They were actually rescued by Milinkovic Savic, um, and they wound up actually salvaging a point from that match, which ultimately set up the um, the game against Inter to be you know quite the uh, quite the uh, finale for the Serie A season. So it was just kind of it was kind of weird and kind of getting to your point, unfortunate to see a team like Crotone because I think you know e- even in in the, the January transfer window, you can see they made a couple moves here and there to really go for. It. They brought in Benali from Pescara, who obviously was playing in Serie A last year before they got relegated. And I think you can almost felt like, man, like, are they really going to do it again? Are they going to? Is it going to happen? And the final match day, they just came just short. And again, they're going to be uh, dropping death to Serie B with Benevento and Elas Verona. I think most would agree that Crotone probably deserved to kind of stay up. I think um, overall, they they were a team that you know they did enough during the year, in my opinion, to kind of stay afloat. But again, when you put yourself in that position and you know you uh, slip up here and there, it's 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 unfortunate. And again, when you're a team that's kind of really doesn't have a ton of talent. Things can go bad quickly, and I think ultimately for a team like Crotone, when you're playing catch-up, it's tough to get back in there because, again, you don't have a deep roster. You don't have a superstar to maybe save you and to get you over the edge. Um, But nonetheless, those three teams are going down, and of course, we're going to be welcoming uh, Parma and Empoli so far, at least. Again, we got to wait for the Serie B playoffs to kind of finish, but uh, we all know that Empoli and Parma will be coming back to Serie A, and... um, you know, Joe. I know we uh, we would probably have be maybe able to dedicate an entire podcast to Parma's climb back to Serie A over the past several years. But I think we're going to save that for a future one. We're going to have uh, Kevin Nolan. Actually, he's a lifelong Parma fan. He's one of our own writers at Italian Football Daily. So I think we're going to get him on, and he'll give you his perspective on how this this journey's been. Um, this journey's been, excuse me, back to Serie A because again, it was it's been something special, and it's great to see them uh, joining the group once again in the top flight. I'm very glad to have uh, Parma back. Um, they're obviously a historic team. Uh, went went to Serie D in, in bankruptcy and made up three years in a row. Very impressive, first time in history um, doing so. And Empoli, of course, I mean, we've seen them in Serie A in and out uh, over the last 15 years. Um, but for the teams going down to Serie B, I mean, there is a small consolation prize because you get to watch uh, Diletta Leota every week so that's not a bad prize for those that don't know um, you can look her up on Instagram and, and Twitter Diletta Leota one of the most beautiful women you'll ever see and she's pretty good at her job too uh, as a host of the Sedia B program on Sky but um, yeah not a bad consolation prize for those guys uh, in my opinion but let's let's move on to um, another Sedia club uh, who's had a hell of a season uh, Napoli, poor Napoli. And a month ago, we were raving about their win over Juve, and they had already celebrated like they won. 
um, and it kind of bit them in the in the butt. And then they were they even had the balls to to criticize others for for mocking them for their um, early celebrations. But uh, what a season they've had, regardless. Ninety one points, and they still didn't win. Imagine that. That's just how that's just how good Juventus have been in this dynasty that have had seven in a row. Um, and like any other league, ninety one is good enough to win it. It's the first time a team has finished second with that high of a, a point total. So Napoli are one of the great clubs in Europe, and um, they're going to be facing a big off season. And already out of the gate, it's only been a few days since the season has ended, but we have uh, strong rumors coming out today at time of recording uh, that Maurizio Sarri's time might actually be up, uh, and Carlo Ancelotti might be. Uh, there's a very good chance that he might be the coach. Of, of Napoli next season and what a coup that would be for Serie A to get a coach like that back into the league and of all teams it's not an it's not a Milan or or a Juve he'd be going to Napoli which historically is just a provincial club but if this is true Matt this is a great acquisition for Serie A and for Napoli too who might even take that next step um, and, and dare I say it even claim that Scudetto next year perhaps yeah, I think with Napoli, you know, this is going to be this is a big summer for them. I mean, it could see a lot of change, um, as you just mentioned. It's you know possibly a new manager. Uh, Mari Kamšić has has come out and pretty much publicly said that he's given his all to Napoli, but he's kind of ready for a new challenge. And there's been uh, rumors that he's gotten a big offer coming from China, getting it paid handsomely, big transfer fee. And I think there's a possibility that maybe Kamšić does move on as well. The end of course for you know. For Napoli, he's been the captain for the better part of a decade. And when you have lose a player like that, who's still very much a quality player, despite having maybe a little bit of a drop-off last year, I think most Napoli fans would agree. He didn't have his best season last year, but overall, I think he brings a lot more to the table. Um, he brings more than just just as a footballing ability. He's a leader. He's he's a leader on the pitch, off, off the pitch. And he's been at the beacon of loyalty to... Uh, the locals there so you know if you're you know if you're looking at Napoli if you're a Napoli fan um you know you're looking at the manager possibly being coming in Ancelotti would be a fantastic appointment and I think there's kind of been this um in recent weeks again not 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 all on the fact that they they, they kind of let the Scudetto slip away but you know just the way that things kind of went at, went about in the final weeks of the season with Napoli again of course they lost control of the, of the title race but even with Maurizio Zari there was some kind of there was some it was it was odd. I don't know how to really explain it, but from Napoli fans that I've interacted with on Twitter, you know, to see you know some of the lineups he put out in the later part of the season, maybe not not even giving Maggio you know a start in his final game as a player, like those certain things. I think that fans kind of got you know tired of at the end of the season. I think at this at, at one point you could kind of see that Napoli fans that once they lost to the Scudetto, once these certain things started happening, for most part, I think I think Napoli fans are ready to move on from Maurizio Sarri. And I think if they can bring in a guy like Ancelotti, a proven winner everywhere in Europe, he's won the title at Bayern Munich, he's won the title at Milan, he's he's won everywhere. PSG, Chelsea, you name it. Real Madrid, well. I, Real Madrid as well. If if you can bring in a guy like that um, I think it would give some the Napoli fans some reassurance. Again, we're bringing in a proven winner, winning coach. He's also a coach that will attract names on the market. And that's also a big factor as well when you're Napoli and you're really trying to go for a Scudetto. Because I think if you look at the, the summer picture for Napoli, the landscape, if you will, new manager, there could be some possible exits. Uh, there are some players that have been attached to Maurizio Tsari. In recent weeks, we've talked about Haija, Kulibali, and, and the like. 
So there could be a wholesale changes to Napoli next season. But I think if they're able to get a guy like Ancelotti, I think that will attract some big names and some quality players. And I think, you know, maybe with the right the right formula, the right group of players, maybe Napoli needed a change at the manager. Again, it, you know, we all know Maurizio Tzari, he could bring, you know, a very aesthetically pleasing brand of football to the pitch and at times somewhat unbeatable. But I think... In the end, I think they've come so close to get 91 points. When you don't win the Scudetto, it's almost like, well, what more can I do with this team? What more can – and then Napoli's like, well, what, what more could we do with this coach? Like, I think that's kind of where they're at right now. I think ideally they would probably like to keep him. But I think overall, if you could bring – again, if you could bring in Ancelotti, I don't think you're going to say no to him because, let's face it, he's won everything domestically that there is. So I think for Napoli fans, they should definitely be excited should that deal uh, be finalized. Yeah, and they're gonna they'd be bringing in a guy with actual pedigree, not only domestically but also uh, internationally. So that would be a huge. Uh, it would make a difference in in um in the difference between ninety five and ninety one points in a four point season. That probably would have made the difference. Uh, you know, switching his players around and kind of uh, changing his formation. The thing about Ancelotti is he's not particularly known of developing players but uh he doesn't need to for this team he can inherit a team that's how he usually his modus operandi is he inherits a team and perfects it so um for napoli that might just be the best thing that could happen to him and somehow i don't know how the guy uh, the the president aurelio de la rentis pulled this off somehow i don't know who on earth would want to work for that idiot but hey if it works um that's uh that's great and but the thing is the guy the guy cannot be cheap now De Laurentiis cannot um if he's gonna bring in a, a coach like that I mean Ancelotti's used to to coaching you know Ronaldo Ibrahimovic uh Kaká like world class Ballon d'Or players uh, he's not gonna settle for uh, Tonelli on defense and these these hacks uh you, if you want to compete with Juve you got to get the best players and uh, they have to revamp that defense and uh start using some of their players and maybe add another forward and then i think they'd be seriously contending not just in in italy but they can probably make it even to the semifinals of the champions league if they actually try and uh and put their best foot forward so there's a lot of potential with napoli but they just have to make the right moves and hopefully this is a positive one for them just to add some intrigue to this to this campaign because they were really the bright spot in this season like we all know juve they're, they are who they are. They've won again. Uh, they're still a top team in the world. And, you know, they're kind of carrying the flag of this league for the last few years. Um, but the other teams really stepped up. Napoli really gave them a run for their money for the first time in six years since Milan's four-point um, gap from first to se- uh, second to first. Uh, Juventus was finally challenged. And there was legitimate fear that they would lose uh, this title. And we need more of that. We need... Roma to not be uh, 18 points behind. Um, you can't have Roma and Inter losing, uh, having eight or nine weeks in a row uh, without winning. That just can't happen next year. And for those two clubs, I think they'll have that investment now that they both have more money. They'll probably make those investments to make it an even more competitive league than we already have. Uh, and that's only going to bode better for uh, for our uh, for our league for the rest of the competition and also in Europe because now people are starting to pay attention to the Serie A again, which is, uh, it's about damn time. Um, but we just have to continue on that stretch. It's got to be better better performances in Europe and, and more intriguing battles uh, in the league. Um, but definitely can't complain on, on this year. It's been, it's been a heck of a year. 
And uh, I think now would be a great time to introduce uh, our teams of the year. Now, obviously, this is up to um, personal opinion on, on what they've seen. Matt, I'm going to let you go first. All right. So for me, uh, this was very difficult because um, it, <laughs> it's always difficult. Right? You have 11 players to choose from. You have obviously one of them being a goalie. So you essentially you have 10, 10 players to choose, right? 10 outfield players at least to choose. And I think that's what makes it so difficult. But also makes it fun because it opens up debate as to where, who should be included, who should not be included. By the way, at the end of this, what we'll do is we'll tweet out our, uh, our, our graphics with our teams of the year. And you guys can pretty much... Uh, Give us your feedback. What do you think should have made it? Who do you think shouldn't have made it? And then uh, we can have a conversation. I think that's the the way to do it. And, and you, if if uh, if I may, so uh, but let's uh, let's get started on my team. So in net, I think obviously the goalkeeper that's been the best in Syria, the most important for uh, a team in Syria and also in Europe. Um, I don't think there's any question about it. I think it's been Alisson Becker uh, of Roma. Uh, his first year as as Roma starter comes in there. He not only performs well, but he really becomes one of the best European keepers in Europe. So I think it's obvious that uh, Allison is deserving of this nod. Moving to my defensive line, I went with three in the back. So I had, by the way, I have a th- really weird formation. It's kind of like a 3-5-2, but again, I have two kind of playmakers instead of, uh, you know, wingbacks. Um, so I'll kind of get there in a little bit. But my back line is looking like Alessio Romagnoli. Of course, he had a fantastic year for Milan. I uh, finally had a viable uh, partner alongside him in Leonardo Bonucci. Over recent years, he's had guys like Mexes, Zapata, um, Gustavo Gomez, Gabriel Poletta. So it's, it, once he was able to get an established defender to play alongside, he obviously showed us true colors. And he was really been one of the better uh, defenders that we've seen in, in Serie A. Uh, and he's only going to get better. Next to him, I have Khaledou Koulibaly, who's had a fantastic year. He's subject of transfer rumors across Europe. Most of the big teams are looking at him, Chelsea included. Um, they wanted him last year. They've wanted him for quite some time. So it's without question that Koulibaly is deserving of a spot in my eleven. Next to him is is the Inter defender, Milan Skriniar, who after coming over from Sampdoria was really one of the best summer buys by any European team last year for around 22 to 23 million. Many didn't know who he was coming into the season, aside from maybe Serie A fans, but I think he quickly, um, you know, Got some, uh, got the attention of the rest of Europe. Manchester City put in a uh, reportedly put in a bid during January window. They've had interest in him as well. So when you get those big teams and you get a guy like Pep Guardiola who has your uh, who's interested, you're doing something right. And I think Milan Skriniar again for a team that finished top four on the final match day or fourth on the match uh, final match day. I think it's uh, it's only fair that he gets a nod. So that's my defensive back uh, defensive uh, excuse me my defensive back line. Moving into the midfield, I have uh, more of a younger. Midfield, if you will, I think I have I have Milikovic Savic as my defensive midfielder. I have Jorginho, who's again uh, there's a possibility that he's going to move on from Napoli this summer, and he really has been uh, you know a fantastic player for several years. But again, this year he's kind of stepped out into the limelight, um, especially and then and obviously European football has helped him do that. Lucas Torreira from Sampdoria. I've been a a Sampdoria fan for pretty much the entire season. I was hoping that they would kind of sneak into the Europa League conversation. They kind of fell out in the last part of the, the last part of the season. Of course, their away form kind of did them in, but nonetheless, Lucas Torreira, who's actually going to the World Cup with the Uruguay for the first time, definitely gets a starting uh, starting spot in a, or a spot in my team. Yeah, I just think this kid's got something. He's he got he's got everything that you're looking for in a midfielder, and um, he's the, the future is very bright. I think it's definitely going to be away from Sampdoria, so this summer will be very interesting for him as well. 
ahead of them, I got Luis Alberto from Lazio. One again, one of the only uh, one of two Serie A players to have double-digit goals and assists. He's been so influential for Lazio, or he has been. Um, excuse me, uh, he had been uh, influential for Lazio the entire season, and I think he's been such a major asset and major reason why Chiari Mobile was able to accomplish what he did up front. Next to him, I have Douglas Costa from. Uh, Juventus, obviously the big money move that uh, brought him over to Turin from Bayern Munich in the summer. Definitely deserving. He's playing a little bit of a different role in my formation, so I try to squeeze in the players I think deserved it, and I think Douglas Costa could probably play in behind the strikers. I'm sure you could, you would agree, Jai, getting double-digit assist. He was he was everything that Juventus paid for and more in the second half of the season, I think. He did so much to the point where you know, it felt like he was unstoppable at times. It's the pace, the creativity, down the flanks. I think he's he's someone that Juventus fans are definitely ho- happy they splashed the money on. He he was our MVP in my opinion. Yeah, oh, he was fantastic. Even in Europe too, I think that that was also a big factor as well. You kind of look for your big money moves, a big money transfers to make those uh, make those same impacts. In, in Europe, and I think he was able to do that as well. So definitely Douglas Costa deserves a spot in my team. And up front, finally, um, I could have went several different ways with my strikers, but I went with the two guys who who shared the Capocanieri this year, Chiuri Mobile and, and Mauro Riccardi, 29 goals apiece. I don't think you could deny that they've been the best two strikers all season long. I probably could have maybe went with a guy like Paulo Dybala or Gonzalo Higuain, but I think overall when you really look at how important these two players were, for their teams this year and what they were able to accomplish, I don't think you can really have any arguments. But uh, but Joe, I'll let you I'll let you uh, reveal your team. Who do you got? So my team of the year uh, is lining up in a three four one two formation. Like yourself, I have Alisson in net. Uh, he's had a, an incredible year. Uh, one of the best goalies. He's announced himself uh, on the world stage, not just domestically. I think he's definitely in the consideration for the top three, top five goalies in the world. And he will be, uh, he should be the starter uh, for Brazil in the World Cup. And more of the modern, cut from the modern cloth of, of goalkeeping. Good with his feet, can pass the ball, the distribution's there. So that's also kind of plays into it as well. He's not just a good so- a shot stopper and commander of his area, but again, he does, he checks off those boxes with his feet. And that's obviously in 2018, that's a major asset for you to have as a keeper. Yeah, for sure. He's uh, he's actually deked around uh, a couple of defenders this season as well, and and he's he's just a freak athletically. He is he's very agile and um, he covers a lot of ground in his net, and he's very aggressive going forward. So he's definitely been the best, uh, probably Roma's MVP, uh, and the reason why they went so far in Europe as well. A huge part of that. So he's my, my starting uh, goalie this season. My three defenders line up. Uh, with uh, Kalidou Koulibaly on left uh, uh, left center back. Um, he's had a hell of a year, probably arguably the best defender in Serie A this year. He's been so influential. For Napoli, he can play with his feet. He can pass. He's physical. He's very good defensively. And yeah, he's he's been rumored to leave, but he won't go for less than 100 million euros. And I hope that he stays for Napoli and most likely will stay. He, he loves the city and, and they've they've really embraced him. Um, and he's only 27, so he's right in the prime of his career, and he should be a big part of Senegal's um, uh, World Cup squad as well, and they're actually a pretty good team, so um, don't be surprised if they advance past the groups, uh, and he'll most likely be a big part of that if they do so. Uh, My second center back is Mehdi Benatia in the middle of this back three. Uh, Benatia has had his best season of his career 
uh, came over. Uh, he was on loan last year, and Juventus bought him outright for 22 million from Bayern Munich, which now looks like a steal because he's been playing at a 50 million euro pace this whole season. Pretty solid at the back. Um, he did make a couple of mistakes uh, in the season. The Champions League giving up that penalty, that contentious penalty, and as well not marking Koulibaly um, on the on the corner kick that gave Napoli the one nil win at the Alliance Stadium. But every time that he's made a mistake, he's come back, he's owned it, and he's played better the next game, and he's always been able to bounce back. He's just been terrifically solid for uh, Juventus. When they lost Bonucci, everyone was kind of uh, up in arms. Um, you know, uh, He was the linchpin of that defense, and it was big shoes for Benatia to fill in, but he did it admirably. And as the season wore on, he just got better and better. So that's why he's included there. And uh, my right center back is Milan Skriniar. Um, was a hot prospect before on Sampdoria, but as you as you mentioned, um, had a heck of a season with Inter, and because they made the Champions League, he'll most likely stay. Probably get a pay increase, but um, he's definitely one to watch for the future because he's he's in his early twenties, so there's still a lot to see from him, and we'll probably see him on on these teams of the year. Um, uh, definitely be seeing him again. My midfield uh, is going to line up in a four four in in the midfield uh, from left to right. Uh, I I'm putting uh, Luis Alberto, uh, eleven goals and fourteen assists. A great season for for him and arguably uh, Lazio's best player. Without him, they don't go anywhere. Bombilla doesn't get the ball. Period. Without him, uh, Milinkovic Savic, um, just an all round great player even though Lazio lost against Inter this past weekend you could see his class for such a tall big guy he, he's got such a great touch and he, he's really good with his feet and he's just a beast in the air uh, an all-around great player and uh, that's why he's going to be worth over 100 million euros so he's in there Jorginho uh, he can pass the ball uh, he's the the engine of that Napoli uh, attack everything goes through him um, and he had a heck of a season uh, for the second place Partenope. And my fourth midfielder is Mirlim Pjanic. Um, he has had a pretty solid season. He's just been very consistent game to game. Hasn't been, in some matches, hasn't been as influential, but he's always been that center guy for Juve. If he's not in there, whether he's having a good or a great game or an average game, he's the most important guy in that midfield. And whenever he wasn't around, you could tell uh, the the play of Juve really regressed. So he really kept Juventus's machine going similar in a similar manner to Jorginho as well. But also the guy can just score free kicks like their penalties. So he's definitely uh, one of the top midfielders in Serie A. And again, he's only 26, 27. So he still has a few more good years left in him. Should he stay at Juve uh, or if, if there's a rumored uh, move either to the Premier League or Real Madrid, um, who knows, but he's definitely one of the best players on, on the championship Juventus team. And up front, uh, I'm going with the, the kind of trequartista number 10, Paulo Dybala. Uh, he's had 22 goals. He's been, it's been a streaky season for him. He had a, a really hot start, like 12 goals in eight games, uh, or 10 goals in six games, something like that. Um, but he kind of cooled off a little bit, got injured, uh, ran into some personal issues through the season. But and actually, didn't wasn't really a starter at one point. Actually, he kind of lost his starting job too. Yeah, he lost his starting job for about a month, but he bounced back. Um, still scored twenty two goals and he had about five assists as well. 
So he's still a solid player. Very, He scored some pretty key goals for Juve, especially that 1-0 win over Lazio. So it can't be forgotten there. And he, and he made Argentina's uh, a team, uh, national team. He'll be in the World Cup. So well-deserved from him. And uh, my top two are the two uh, Capocannonieri, so Mauro Icardi and Chiri Mobile, who has had a career season. There, there'll be some doubts on whether or not he can repeat that, but uh, he definitely deserved to be up there. And Mauro Icardi, he's just a consistent scorer, um, seems to be in this conversation every year for top scorer. Um, so he's definitely been uh, the captain for Inter on and off the field, leading them into the Champions League. So well-deserved from both of them. Um, and that is my starting 11 for the 2017-18 season. So, Joe, who were, let me ask you something. Who were, if you had to maybe pick three honorable mentions, who would you say that you were close to including, but you felt that you just missed the mark? Mm, okay, that's a really good question. Uh, I would say Hizai from Napoli as a right back, because in my formation, I don't have any fullbacks just because. I don't feel like there was any fullback that stood out, but he's definitely an important part for uh, Maurizio Sadri and, and Napoli as well on that right. A lot of offense moves up on the right flank for Napoli through Hisai and, and Calejon. And he's only 25 as well, so he, he, he's he been looked at by several teams. He's had a great season for, for them, and when he wasn't on the field, I mean, you know, things were, there were issues uh, for Napoli. So he's one of them. That I would mention uh, a second, yeah, Douglas Costa would be another one because uh, he's more of a he would have come off the bench for me anyways uh, if I was having a team just because that's how he played at Juve. I noticed with Allegri he wouldn't really put him, he wasn't as effective as a starter, but Allegri seemed to know exactly when to put him in at the right time, and then he would just take over the game. Uh, and he's the type of player where. Um, you could tell he's one, he's a really quick player and early in the season, you could tell he wasn't used to the speed of Serie A, which is a bit slower. So he was kind of running openly, always open, but no one would get him the ball because everyone just couldn't catch up with him. They couldn't keep up with him. So, um, he adjusted to that, um, as the season wore on and then he was able to use his, his speed effectively. And that's when he was really devastating either on the right or left flank where no one in this league could catch him. So he's definitely... Uh, in there he would be an, a great guy to come off the bench and third I would probably have to say probably Gonzalo Higuain just because he was he hasn't scored as many goals as he did the last couple of years but he was pretty solid overall um, the thing about him is he gets a lot of criticism for being quote-unquote overweight but the reality is he's never been in better shape he's uh he's in great shape if you've ever seen him um, they they posted videos of him on the gym, even in the um, uh, on social media and, and in the Netflix series as well. Uh, just how hard those guys were working in the gym. So he's definitely not uh, a, a fatty. Uh, he he's definitely fit, uh, like some Napoli fans like to point out. But he always seems to score big goals, um, and he likes to track back. And he really held up the play this year. I think his game evolved in being able to hold up the play. Um, this year for Juventus, and he was still pretty clinical in front of goal. So um, Hisai, uh, Douglas Costa, and Higuain would be my honorable mentions. My yeah, my three. It was, this was tough. I was putting it together, and I was trying to just you know. I wish I had fifteen players that I could play on the field as one at one time. But um, yeah, I, I would say the three players that I you know I would have maybe I was I, I at least strongly considered putting in my team. Of course, you mentioned one of them. 
uh, Paulo Dybala, I think, when he scored 22 goals. And, you know, you again, Yossi obviously had a, the, the clincher against Tottenham in the Champions League round of 16 versus, uh, to get you know, move them further in the tournament. Obviously, you, 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 you can't overlook that as well. So Paulo Dybala, I probably would have, again, probably slotted in him in behind the two strikers, Immobile and Icardi. Uh, second out, Mirlan Pjanic, again, he's been... Um, the dictator in that midfield for Juventus the entire year. Um, and really for, you know, adjusting to a different role. Again, you know, at, at Roma, he was a little bit more further up the pitch as more of like a attacking midfielder number 10 type player. He was getting more forward and he got more goals at some points as well. But I think he's been dropping to like the Regista role. He's really come, come into his own and he's really been, um, you know, he's shown that he can make that transition. He can really be, you know, that methodical leader in the midfield. So I, again, the, those two guys I definitely would have uh, strongly considered. And again, if you ask me on another day, maybe I do include them. And the third guy, against Simone Verdi, I think, for Bologna. Again, he bypassed the option to go um, to, to Napoli in, in, in January uh, to kind of stay on with Bologna. Um, and again, turns in a double-double season, 10 goals, 10 assists. And I think for a player who's that talented, who's kind of been pretty much everywhere around Italy the past several years, to finally find a home in Bologna and to be thriving, you know, really before the, even he hits the prime of his career, again, 25 years old, 25, 26 years old, I think, you know, again, he's got that uh, potential to play at a big club. And um, there's a possibility that he does move on, move, move this summer to a big club. Maybe Napoli rekindles their interest and they go after him again. So those would be the three guys, um, Pjanic, Dybala, and uh, Simone Verdi, that I would consider um, if I did do this uh, this 11 over again. Those are all great choices, uh, for sure. Um, we've, we're we having better talent. It's been a bigger talent pool this season in, in Italy. Um more players are being retained more players are being developed and played uh, which is a good sign again for the health of the league which you've really seen uh, this season take off and uh, of course the new tv deal uh, hopefully there's some more exposure um, globally as the thirst for soccer is really heating up in the world i think more people are getting educated uh, about different leagues in the world and it's not just the Italian diaspora or Italian immigrants that are watching said, yeah, now it's a lot of different people who are uh, really, their tastes are maturing. Whereas the Premier League is kind of just thrown at them. I think people are now finally uh, maturing their tastes in, in football and soccer. And this is good to see. Uh, a lot of people say said, yeah, is a niche league. And I, I really don't think so because you can't have a niche league with the, with as many trophies and with as much history as the clubs from Italy have. So, uh, here's hoping that it's a new era for the league and that we can continue that uh, going forward. Um, any final thoughts about the season, uh, Matt? Uh, I, I'll just I'll talk a little bit about Juventus in a bit, but um, do you have any final thoughts maybe on Milan and what their, uh, what might happen with them um, in this, what should be an interesting summer to say the least? Yeah, I think, you know, for Milan, it was, um, in the grand scheme of things, I think, you know, you look at the table, he finished sixth. It was always going to be difficult to finish top four, but we all know how um, how uh, important it was to pop, to finish top four. Of course, they fell short of the mark. Um, you know, they looked like they were going to be able to pull it off on the last, you know, last two months of the season. They had a little bit of drop in form. They, you know, dropped points against certain teams that they shouldn't have, um, and they really didn't take advantage, ultimately, of... Uh, you know, not that they didn't take advantage of it, because I think you know, Gattuso was thrown into a difficult position, and he was really in a big hole that Montella left him. But I think overall, this was year one of the project. Um, you hope that again, 
uh, well, in, a, in a later podcast, we'll talk about it because we know it's going to be continued to develop. Um, this Everything that's going on with UEFA, um, financial fair play and everything like that, um, that's news has come out this you know, today about, you know, um, that there's some uncertainties with the, you know, the refinancing with Elliot and all these different matters. It's very difficult to kind of wrap up into one podcast, but um, I'm sure many of you read it by now. So the hope is that Milan can kind of get past this, again, with minimal damage, be able to spend where they need to spend, get the right players they need for Gattuso, um, give him the entire offseason to kind of adjust and to really um, fill in, step into this role with plenty of time and to really assess his roster and who fits and who doesn't, and to have a, a better, more consistent year next year. But um, yeah, it's Milan's going to be the talk of the summer again, for better or for worse. That, that seems to be the trend, and um, I think nothing's. Really, I don't think that's going to change. Yeah, and for for Milan fans listening, uh, honestly, I wouldn't be too worried. At, at the worst, you know, they can give them a transfer ban uh, for for the summer. Um, but you know, I look at it. Not in the word. It's not that bad of a, a case because for two reasons. One, now the January transfer window uh, should they be banned for the summer, it's going to be more active than years past because now uh, they eliminated the rule where you can't buy like there's no cup tied anymore where a player who's been playing in another whether Europa League or Champions League they can't play for another team in the same tournament. That's gone. So more you you can you can buy players. You can wait until January if you need to at the worst. Also, uh, Milan were on, um, were on pace with Gattuso to be third place in the league uh, when he came in. So they would have made the Champions League if he was there for the full year, mo- most likely. So give him one year and you've got some decent players already. He can work with what he has for the time being. And I think they should still be fighting for the top four next year. And their best players turn out to be their local homegrown players like Cutrone and Locatelli, Calabria, you know, those aren't they weren't part of that 250 million euro splurge last summer, and they were some of the best players that they had, as well as Donnarumma, who, if he stays, um, I think he's got to bounce back. He's still young, but he did make a couple of uh, of gaffes um, this season, and he just has to pick up his his head, move on from it, and uh, he's he's definitely going to be one of the stars of the world in the future. So for Milan fans, just, you know, be optimistic. It's not the end of the world. Let this thing play out. And then hopefully um, the damage won't be too, too grave. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about Juventus and their seventh straight Scudetto. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, oh, it's, them again is boring. Uh, you know, who cares? They're just going to win. But this is a unique, like we're li- we're witnessing history because I don't think this is ever going to happen ever again uh, in this league to have a team go seven straight years. And it's not just seven straight years. So if, if you look at those seven years, one was a was an undefeated season, um, which is extremely hard to do. Another was the record 102 points, a record in the top in, in the top five leagues, 102 points. I think the actual record in Europe is 103 points from Glasgow or Celtic. Um, but Let's just be honest here. The uh, Scottish Premier League is basically the third division. So that's not really a record. Uh, but the 102 record points still stands. Sorry, Manchester City got 100, but you couldn't catch us. Uh, that's still an incredible achievement. Undefeated season. Uh, two Champions League final appearances. Four straight uh, domestic cup doubles. Nobody has done that ever. Max Allegri for getting on every single week still somehow gets results 
and it's seven straight. We're never going to see that ever again. And, you know, non-Juventus fans and even Juventus fans themselves take for granted just how good this team has been. No matter what, a lot of teams could have crumbled after losing to Napoli, but they kept quiet. They put their heads down. They worked and they deserved it and they didn't gloat. They didn't do any of that um, as well. Um, and they and they just truly deserved it. Now it's gonna be it's gonna be a heck of an off season just because they're losing Buffon, Azamoa, Licksteiner. Those are three of the uh, the big the leadership that they've been around for seven straight years. And it's not just skill that you win on. It's also having the type of leaders and that experience in your dressing room. That's how they were able to to overcome so much adversity over these years. And that's how why they keep getting trophies because they've had those those key cogs, those key players. But now that they're gone, um, it remains to be seen, and potentially we might see Marquisio gone. We might see Kadira gone. Uh, we could see Dybala and Higuain go. Nobody's safe, really, on, on this team. It depends on on what they uh, they plan to do, what, what, what they're going to get from the board of directors, what plans they have. Um, obviously, Buffon wasn't really in their plans, and now he's going to be moving on. And I wish him luck, and all of us at Italian Football Daily wish him luck in whatever he chooses to do but it's going to be hard to replace that uh, those types of guys now you can replace him with Perin with Chesney on the field but you can't replace that intangible experience that legend status for the club that's that's going to be the one to watch for Juve can they recoup some of those players and um it's looking like Allegri is going to stay but regardless there there's going to be significant player turnover this summer and uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens because I think now they're the most vulnerable to finally uh, have that throne snatched from them. So yeah, I think it's an open season for everybody coming into Serie A. Um, it, it should be a heck of a, a start to the 2018-19 season. That wraps up our show here on and caps off an incredible year uh, here at Italian Football Daily. Thank you so much to all our readers, to all our fans, to all our followers uh, who've been following us throughout uh, the year. Of course, we do it for you, and we do it for the love of the game, for the love of this league, and we're going to continue to do that with uh, with a lot of coverage this season in the the transfer market, the mercato, and um, all the incredible news that we're going to have and and and, and updates that we're going to have this summer should be a, a pretty big summer, regardless. In in all the leagues, I think this is going to be a summer where you're going to see a lot of teams spend big big money like hundreds of millions billions not so much in italy but in the premier league and la liga but also the italian teams are going to have a say and i think they're going to be spending a lot of money this season so again at italian fd is uh is our twitter handle give us a follow for all your latest news uh and rate and subscribe the podcast let us know what you'd like to see what kind of features you want in the off season what what you want us to discuss transfers uh city b city chief uh, who knows whatever you guys want if it's Italian football we'll, we're going to cover it so give us our feedback uh, give us some feedback rather uh, subscribe uh, on iTunes um, and we're working on SoundCloud and other platforms as well to bring you uh, the best news out of Italy for Matt Santangelo you can follow him at Matt underscore Santangelo on Twitter and for myself Joe Siraco at Joe Antonio C thank you for listening ciao for now <laughs>